0: Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn them to Matthew chapter 6. And while you're turning to Matthew chapter 6, hold your place there and also turn to Exodus chapter 16, please. We're going to look at a couple of passages this morning. Exodus chapter 16 to Matthew chapter 6. We are still in our sermon series on kingdom living, looking through the Sermon on the Mount. And we're looking at depth at each petition of the Lord's Prayer. This morning we will be looking at the fourth petition. But let's read this prayer of our Lord, God's holy word, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Pray then, like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, we praise you, we thank you for the word of life that we get to read and study and know and grow closer to you. And we thank you that when it comes to the Christian life, that you did not leave us to wander and to figure it out on our own, but you attended to every detail that we need to know to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And especially this morning, Lord, we see our Lord modeling for us prayer. And so teach us, we pray, In Jesus' name, amen. As I have uh, studied Scripture through the years, I have found that there are many men that I admire for their leadership and for their courage as, as they have led God's people. And sometimes I've admired these men because they've been called by God to seemingly lead in some impossible or very difficult situation, One such leadership occurrence happened when Moses found himself wandering in the wilderness, leading God's people right after they had delivered them, Yahweh God had delivered them from Egypt out of slavery. And in Exodus chapter 16, if you'll flip over there, we find ourselves now on location around 45 days after they had left Egypt until this time during this 45 day period all seemingly was happy and everyone was exuberant because they had left their oppressors they had left Egypt and but now after about 45 days the fun had stopped And the grumblings were settling in. And here we find Moses with a difficult leadership task. So why all the grumblings among God's people? Why was there such animosity toward Moses and Aaron who were called to lead God's people? Why were the Israelites grumbling? Why were they making such a fuss? Well, we read in Exodus chapter 16 that they were hungry. (laughs) They They were starving. They had probably, after 45 days, pretty much ran out of their camping food. But even more, at this point, after 45 days of wandering in the wilderness and leaving Egypt, they began to doubt that God would provide for them that he would be there in their time of need. And look at what they said. Look there in Exodus 16, verse 3. This is what they said to Aaron and Moses. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They were hungry, and they doubted God's love and provision, and they did not think that this was a good idea to leave Egypt. They were an ungrateful people. So what was Moses going to do? How was he going to fix this leadership predicament that he found himself in? Nothing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Moses was not going to be able to do a thing to fix this problem. Yahweh God was going to do something about it. God was going to address this situation. And Exodus chapter 16 gives the complete story here of how Yahweh God heard their grumblings, but even more, he saw their need their need for sustenance, their need for food and water to survive. And so he provided. And if you just glance down there at that story, and some of you know this story, Yahweh, knowing their need, he provided manna, which was bread from heaven, every morning for them in their camp. And every evening there would be quail to eat. They would have meat to eat every evening. And he provided these things So that they may live. He did this to show them his glory and his provision for his people. He provided for them for 40 years with manna and with quail. Because he saw his people's need and he wanted to care for them. And so this story this morning in Exodus chapter 13, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 16, is a wonderful illustration of how God cares about his people and he will provide for them. So go back now to Matthew chapter 6 and we find the fourth petition there in Matthew chapter 6 verse 11 where we petition the Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And in this fourth petition, we need to remember that the Lord's prayer here is Jesus teaching us about prayer. He's modeling prayer for us. And what Jesus is teaching us here is that we are to to acknowledge that we are entirely dependent upon God the Father to supply our daily needs. That is what we do in this prayer. We acknowledge that we are entirely dependent upon God the Father to provide for our daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. And so this morning, I want us to look at how this petition... The fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer teaches us three important theological truths. The first theological truth is that God is passionate about his glory. That's the first thing we'll look at. Secondly, the second theological truth here is that God loves providing for his people's needs. And the third theological truth that we will examine this morning is that God wants to teach us that our ultimate need is him. So those are the three things. That's where we're going this morning. The first is, the first theological truth of this petition in the Lord's Prayer is that God is passionate about His glory. In the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer, if you look down there in Matthew chapter 6, we noted that each of these petitions focus on God. That's what we've been saying. Prayer is about God. We see the focus here being on God's name, his kingdom, and his will. But the last three petitions of the Lord's Prayer focus explicitly on ourselves and on the things that we need. And so we're coming to the the first of this second order of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, in the way it's laid out, is very intentional. It's very theological. Jesus is teaching us even by teaching us what to pray. So if you notice in the Lord's Prayer and these petitions, we must, first and foremost, we must spend time adoring our Heavenly Father and praising His name and praising His kingdom and His will. Essentially what we must do here is we must worship before we come to our Father with our needs. Because otherwise our request, our personal request that we make to him, they they have no context if we don't first and foremost worship God. I love the way that the pastor theologian Sinclair Ferguson succinctly states this theological purpose here. He says, God and his kingdom must always take priority over man and his needs. God and his kingdom must always take priority over man and his needs. This is something we must not forget. This is what the Israelites grumbling against Yahweh God in Exodus chapter 16 had forgotten. They had forgotten that their reason for existence. And they had forgotten why God himself, Yahweh God himself, had delivered them out of Egypt. Egypt. And he said in Exodus 16, verse 12, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then, then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Why did he feed them? Why did he provide for them? So that they would know That he, Yahweh God, was their Lord, was their God. Why was God going to respond to their grumblings? Was it so that they wouldn't starve to death? No. It is so that they would know that he is Yahweh their God. God is most concerned about his glory, his honor, his name, his kingdom. All of these things are to be our priority in life. And in prayer, we must know that he is God, and we must give him the glory that is due his name. And so this first theological truth here, God is most passionate about his glory. When I say those words, does it bother you? Does it sound selfish? Does it sound not quite right? This is God's purpose. God is chiefly passionate about his glory before anything else. This is what scripture teaches. This is what Christian living confirms. This is what all of life is about. And only when you understand this key biblical truth will you be happy. And will you have abundant life. God is most passionate about his glory. God is not, contrary to what most southerners may believe, God is not uh, most passionate about filling your stomach. He is most concerned that his people glorify him and enjoy him forever. And so Christian, this morning I'm talking to you. You would do well to remember this important truth. God's glory comes first. Then our requests come before him. God's glory must be first. Then our requests come before him. And so that's the second theological truth here. God loves providing for his people's needs. God loves providing for his people's needs. There is a context to God's provision. Yes, he is most passionate about his glory, but yes, he loves providing for his people's needs. And Jesus intends for us to pray for very specific and personal needs that we have. That's what he's teaching us here. We are supposed to come to God in prayer with our needs and our requests and our supplications. Absolutely, we call to God our Father for our needs. Asking God to give us each day our daily bread is acknowledging that all things that God gives are a gift from him. He gives us all things we need as a gift because he loves providing for his people's needs. And so why did Jesus say bread here? Asking for bread is a way of asking for the simplest of our daily necessities, but it includes all our needs. I mean, thank God for Costco, right? We can buy them two at a time and fill up the freezer because bread is essential to to life. Bread is a staple part of the human diet. It was that way in the ancient world, and it's Unless you're on one of those crazy, fad diets, and good for you, if you are, I probably should join you, (laughs) but it's an important part of our staple diet as well. Bread, in a sense, symbolizes life's necessities. Asking for bread is, in a sense, asking God to provide all that we require. So God is concerned with our daily needs. Specifically, he is concerned that we have food to eat, and I'm thankful for God who provides these things for us each day, who is concerned with our daily needs, our every need. John Calvin said this, for the most kindly father does not scorn to take even our bodies under his protection and care. God even takes our bodies under his protection and care. God loves providing for our needs. So the lesson here is that all good things come from God's hands. It is something we need to be reminded of because we need to be sustained. We cannot live. We cannot function. We cannot survive without food, without air to breathe, without shelter, And in the modern world, the day and age that we live in right now, we've come very accustomed to an unprecedented amount of affluence. We've become so accustomed to our affluence that this petition has virtually lost its power. I will guarantee there are not many PCA pastors this morning preaching to a congregation of starving people. That's just not the case. The reason that we have lost the motivation to petition God the Father in this way is that we have lost a biblical understanding of God's providence, specifically how he sustains his people. We think just because we can leave here right after church and go to one of the 80 supermarkets here in town, then we don't need to ask God to give us our daily bread because all we got to do is go into the store. And even if you didn't have money, there are plenty of programs and and organizations around town that will make sure you get food in your stomach. But I think because of this, we've, we've lost a biblical understanding of what God's providence is. Our Westminster Shorter Catechism states that God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. So we have food to eat. We have air to breathe. Because God, the almighty creator and sustainer of the universe, upholds all things by the word of his power And he is the one that makes the seed bud and flourish so that we have food. We can go to that supermarket and buy food because God allowed it to grow and to have life-giving quality that we can go and purchase. We have food to eat because God's powerful preserving and governing all of creation so that people are cared for and nourished. The very food that we eat, the very food that we take into our bodies, it only works because of God's blessing on it to nourish us and sustain us. That was one of God's first great promises that he gave to mankind in Genesis chapter 1. Listen to this. Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth. And every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. God created food for you so that we would have it, so that it would nourish us. God loves providing for his people's needs. We ask God for our daily bread knowing that unless God bestows his blessing upon it, it will not be effective and fruitful. The disciple. Think about this. Think about this for a moment. God gives us the strength that He supplies through our daily bread so that we may fulfill the God centered living that we are called to in the first three petitions. We praise the name of the Lord. We pray that His kingdom would be done. We pray that His will would would be done, and it is God who through food gives us strength to be able to fulfill these things, to be able to glorify him. Think about that. James said it this way, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, from whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Everything we have comes from the Lord, who loves to provide for his people's needs. That's the second theological truth. The third theological truth in this petition is that God wants to teach us that our ultimate need is him. God means to teach us that our ultimate need is Him. As we've said before, when it comes to prayer, it's easy to jump straight into the petitions of our personal requests, straight into supplications, or go straight to our wish list. God, I need this, 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 and this. We we naturally just go straight there before we take the time to praise God's name, His kingdom, and His will But this is why Jesus, our good Savior, took the time to teach us, to instruct his disciples on God-centered prayer and how we are to properly model our prayers. Prayer has a higher purpose. There's more to prayer than just asking for daily bread. There's more to the bread than just the bread. God means to teach his people that our ultimate need is not bread. It's not a car. It's not a job. It's not money. It's not a relationship. Our ultimate need is the gospel. Our ultimate need is the gospel. Sinclair Ferguson again. If we have all the food in the world, but no Christ, we will ultimately starve. If we have all the food in the world, but no Christ, we will ultimately starve. If we have food with Christ, we have all we will ever need. We need Christ. As He is freely offered in the Gospel. If you're looking to God for something more than that, then you have missed the purpose of prayer. You've missed the purpose of asking for daily bread. You have missed the purpose of all of life. God gives us food with Christ so that we can glorify him and enjoy him forever. That is why he gives us our daily bread. You know, The lesson, the story illustration from Exodus chapter 16, God giving manna for them to eat every day and quell. This was a very important lesson throughout all of Israel's history. And in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, on his way out the door, on his way to glory, is given commentary on all that God has done for his people And he's reflecting on God providing daily for their needs. And in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, we have a a wonderful commentary on this important theological truth. That God means to teach us that our ultimate need is Him. And Moses was reminding God's people of why He provided for them in the desert. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, he says... And he, that is Yahweh God, and he humbled you, and let you hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That is what Moses was teaching God's people. We do not live on bread alone. Life is not just about food and shelter and a job. It's about understanding that, yes, we do need food to live. But there's something more life-giving than just food. The Word of God which is God himself. And that is why we must daily feed on God's word so that we will have more of him and more of the gospel every day. Our very lives are sustained by the word of God's power. Our very lives are sustained because the word of God's power allows us to have clean air that we can breathe and survive. The the word of God's power that allows us to stay grounded here on this earth because of gravity and so that we don't float up into the atmosphere. The word of God's power that enacts photosynthesis so that we can eat and have all the things that we need. But this is all because God means to teach us That what we need most is Christ. Our ultimate need is Christ. A little later here in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus will teach, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things, all the things that you need, will be provided to you. What God supplies to us, giving us daily what we need, is Him fulfilling, Matthew 6, verse 33, when we seek first His name, His kingdom, His will, His righteousness, all the things that we need, our daily bread, money, security, shelter, job. On and on and on, they will be provided. We petition the Lord, give us this day our daily bread. In just a moment, we'll sing the hymn penned by the words of John Newton. And one of those verses we will sing, the Lord will provide. The birds without barn or storehouse are fed. From them, let us learn to trust for our bread. His saints, what is fitting, shall ne'er be denied. So long as it's written, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And I think that this can ultimately be summarized in what the Apostle Paul says rhetorically. In Romans 8, verse 32. That he, that is God our Father, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. If God met our ultimate need by giving his son to die on the cross for our sins, God met our ultimate need there on the cross, offering us salvation freely, making us right with God. If God did all that, the Apostle Paul says, How will he not also graciously give us all things? God has met our ultimate need by giving us Christ. And he will give us our daily bread. Let's praise him and thank him for that. Pray with me. Father, we confess to you that this petition has indeed lost its power and its urgency because we have a grocery store on every corner. But Lord, help us to see now that Jesus means to teach us that there is much more to it than just food. What Jesus means to teach us is that we are to look to God our Father who provides our every need. And we thank you, God our Father, that you provided our ultimate need by sending your one and only Son to die so that we may have life. And because of that, we thank you that you graciously give us all things and that you love to provide for your people. We praise you and thank you for that in Christ's name, amen.